With the COVID-19 outbreak across the United States, funeral directors face challenging times as visitations, funerals, and burial services are restricted. In just the past month, everyone has witnessed how the pandemic has uprooted the rituals that we need and cherish when we lose loved ones. Over the past week, the obituary pages of area newspapers have become a haunting litany of memorial services to be held at a later date. No service and services canceled due to COVID-19. To be sure, this is our new normal. But for funeral directors dealing with the day-to-day business of life and death, the coronavirus and social distancing era has changed the way they help people grieve and how funeral homes host celebrations of life. Joining us today to talk about this is Jim, who is a funeral home director right here in Joliet, Illinois. This show is brought to you by hospicechaplaincy.com, promoting excellency in professional hospice chaplaincy. You can find the Hospice Chaplaincy podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play Music. For more information, you can visit hospicechaplaincy.com. We are your hosts, Joe Newton. And I'm Saul Abema. Thank you for joining us, uh, for coming to the show. Could you uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? Absolutely. Um, you know, good morning, everybody. My name is Jim Benuska. I am a funeral director and balmer at Tzak Funeral Home in Joliet. I grew up in Naperville, and my passion, my hobby, my always interest, and always will be was music, is music. Um, but um, <laughs> to fast forward, you know, got married, moved out west, uh, moved to Nashville, put down some roots in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, my wife and I had a little girl. So that whole question of what do I want to do when I grow up <laughs> came to mind. Uh-huh. And um, at that time and talking to some friends and so on and so forth, um, you know, realized I was looking for something unique, but with a purpose. And, um, you know, that's when uh, the funeral industry kind of entered my sights. I did some research and right there in my backyard in Nashville, there was a mortuary college, a very renowned mortuary, John A. Gupton College. And uh, yeah, so I attended the two-year program and um, wound up with a, an Associate of Arts in Mortuary Science. And now here I am on a podcast. So what uh, you, you, what made you think of funeral director? Have you, uh, nobody in your family or any, anything like that, a history of it? Yeah, not at all. You know, the only tie to the idea being planted was, you know, in high school with, you know, of course, your your parents saying, you know, I think you should maybe pursue this or what would you ever think of this was, you know, it was just my mom and I growing up. And, um, you know, she, you know, just saw that I was a very, you know, empathetic, caring individual. And, um, you know, she always just kind of touted either me becoming a teacher of some sort, or she would sometimes voice, you should think about becoming a funeral director. And of course, at that age, I'm like, Oh, okay, mom. Um, you know, (laughs) rock and roll all day and all night was uh, all that I cared about. Um, still care about, but not as much. (laughs) Um, but, um, yeah, nevertheless, at that time, that kind of just sprang back to mind. And again, at that time I was working for, a court reporting firm and the owner of that company was just one of those individuals that had just great intuition um, and just great advice. And so, and just one of those 
random afternoon, lengthy conversations. That's just kind of when he kind of planted that scene seed that that's what I was looking for was just something, something with a purpose, not just, as I say, have a job to put cheese on the burger. Um, you know, I, I was definitely at that point in my life that I was ready to pursue something that definitely gave me a little more meaning than go to work, you know, do what's asked mm-hmm. of you and, you know, get back to your life. Um, and, uh, it certainly has been fulfilling, um, getting to serve families in this way. Um, you know, no matter how simple the service is or, you know, how grandiose, um, regardless, it's, uh, truly a privilege. Um, and, uh, myself and all my colleagues definitely feel that way. And, um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's of course, as you guys know, humbling as well. Oh, very um, much so. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. So Jim, do you, uh, run the place or own it or how's that work here at TZAC? Yeah. Ha- happy to not wear that hat. Um, as far <laughs> oh, as okay. the TZAC funeral home, um, it is family owned and, uh, it's currently, um, under fourth generation management. Um, you know, the original owners back in, I think 1908 moved to the area. And then, um, from there, of course, it's stayed in the family. So right now, um, it is, um, the grandson of the second owners. Um, his name's Ryan. Hayduchak. He is, uh, my manager. Um, also, uh, obviously a funeral director and embalmer. And, um, he, he, I've worked for a handful of different funeral homes and he certainly understands the, um, importance of work-life balance, especially mm-hmm. that comes with this job and the unexpected side of it. And so that was what drew me to, um, apply and, and, um, take the job here. And I'm actually coming up on one year with the firm. So happy to be aboard and happy that it's family owned and, um, happy to serve this community. So how long have you worked as a funeral director altogether? Altogether? Um, I got, uh, I, I graduated mortuary school in 2012. Um, and then you serve an apprenticeship and then you become fully licensed. And that was again at the time in Nashville and then, um, to be closer to family, that sort of thing. I I'm, I'm once again, living proof of never say never. Cause when I moved out of Illinois, I thought it was in my rear view, rear view mirror, but, um, now here I am owning a home in Illinois. <laughs> um, but, um, as far as myself, yeah, I'd say I've been in the industry since 2012. Yeah. You know, you, you spoke a few times about having a job that gives you purpose and meaning and um how are you finding meaning in this line of work um i mean of course d- being called to handle situations that again we as a society do not talk about or want to think about um that you are now in a position to where you have to um, come face to face with some family's worst, worst days. Mm. And um, that, that, that meaning, that significance to do that for that family um, is uh, sometimes indescribable. I'm, I'm thinking here and in, in hearing you talk, Jim, about what it takes to uh, walk into a situation which, you know, hopefully families that you deal with have had experience with a hospice. Do you see a difference when you're dealing with families who have experienced a a death with a hospice involvement and one without? I know that sudden death is not easy no matter what. 
I will agree in that there's there's a huge difference. Um, and I will say that the one thing that I find with grieving families that had an individual in hospice is that they their loved one, A, was taken care of in ways that, of course, they personally couldn't. And that fortunately they weren't left in a hospital to wonder if the hospital staff was doing, and I know hospitals do great work as well. I'm not trying to downplay that side of it, but whenever an individual comes into our care and that family had their, their loved one either at home at hospice or in a hospice facility, just the care that is um, given to their loved one as well as the family themselves, you know, they, they, I, I have yet to hear a family say, I regret putting my mom in hospice. I regret putting my dad in, you know what I mean? Um, mm. yeah. There's always yeah. just a little bit more of an ease, a little bit more of just that, um, a simpler transition, knowing that their loved one was comfortable in the end. And that's what I always ask, you know, um, were they comfortable? And it's always, oh my gosh, yes. They couldn't have made this transition any easier for us. They're all such wonderful individuals, uh, you know, and you hear it all the time. I'm sure you guys do as well. And that I don't know how you do what you do, but, um, you know, that's where my constant catchphrase of together as a team, I can't, I can't exactly. stress that enough. And it's, uh, it's from top to bottom, um, when those individuals are in that transitional phase and then of course come into our care. Uh, to follow up on that, I, I sense that you are a person of faith. Can you, are you willing to talk about any of that? Yeah, I, you know, personally, I, I'm definitely more of a spiritual minded than any one, okay. you know, um, significant religion. Um, I, I will say we serve a lot of Catholic families and, um, I was mm -hmm. baptized Catholic. Um, I had a friend down the street whose father was a Methodist minister. Um, I had, um, kind of a melting pot of a school that I went to. So I had different friends with different beliefs that I was able to, you know, learn a little bit about on top of just some travels that I've done. So, um, I will say, you know, I, I am definitely a person of faith in that there has to be some higher energy. And that's the word that I always like to choose because ultimately it's our souls, <laughs> not to get too, too philosophical or deep, but it's no, ultimately no, 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 our souls um, that are, are reverberating and counting on each other to keep that, hopefully that, um, just that, that spiritual being entity, deity, the list goes on, mm -hmm. keeping us, mm -hmm. uh, the simpler creatures, uh, grounded and moving forward. Uh, what role does, uh, if, if there's any, what role does spirituality play in your job as a funeral director? Personally, it's just remember, even in stressful times, you know, I'm going to get through this, that this family's going to get through this, that especially right now in this current state, we're hopefully all going to get through this. And luckily we do have whatever your belief system is to help you find the patience, find mm -hmm. the understanding, find the individual to reach out to, to express frustrations. And then, yeah, again, just bringing it back to the work side of things, it's mm -hmm. certainly um, just knowing being a good person at the end of the day is ultimately what is asked of us. 
and then mm-hmm. doing that right thing for that family, whatever, how big or how small this job entails, or even going to the grocery store and, you know, helping an individual reach something at the top shelf, anything mm-hmm. from, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. exactly. You, you, you broached the subject, which we want to talk about, and that being with this uh, pandemic of COVID-19. You funeral directors must be facing some really challenging times, especially when you, uh, you can go and see the patient because they died, but their loved ones can't. Your burials are distri- restricted. You don't get to have funeral services, visitations. It's upset everything. How are you trying to help those families? Um, obviously, by doing as much as we possibly can, which, of course, has been put into a very small box. Um, as far as what our world looks like now with the, you know, CDC guidelines, everything that we're being, you know, instructed from the National Funeral Directors Association, the Illinois Funeral Directors Association. At the end of the day, it's about making sure that we're protecting those family members as well as ourselves. And Mm -hmm. it's even more so stressing that importance of protecting those family members because it's us that are going into these facilities and being in you know, exposed, obviously we wear the correct PPE and um, are taking every measure to protect ourselves and protect those family members. So that way, hopefully we can at least allow the immediate, immediate family to have that time with their loved one before whatever their chosen disposition is. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's certainly frustrating and it's obviously trying for everybody. Um, but this is again, full circle where I can't stress enough together as a team. Um, I will say that I couldn't imagine trying to do this without the technology that we have today. Fortunately, with a lot of our services being so restrictive now, and fortunately with technology, you know, we, we are doing a lot of live streaming. Um, that seems to be the popular way to see each other, no matter what facet. And um, mm. it certainly seems to be at least a good solution in this terrible situation. You know, uh, the coronavirus has changed the way people work. Uh, even as hospice chaplains, it has really changed how we work. One of the changes you spoke about is live streaming. Are there any other major changes how your job has changed because of the COVID-19? I mean, I think obviously the biggest one, you know, let's just take it from the beginning. So obviously we get a call. Um, We, of course, inquire with either hospice or whoever it is that's calling that, that first call into us. And now, you know, one of the first questions is, is this patient COVID positive? And it's now gotten to the point to where whether the answer is yes or no, yeah. if that facility has had COVID positive patients, we still treat that person as if they do have yeah, that true. COVID-19 um, diagnosis. And that's obviously just to protect everybody. So that's step one. Step two is then trying to see if the family has the internet to um, utilize. So that way we can just do arrangements over the phone. So 
So obviously beforehand, we would have the family come in, we'd sit in our arrangement office, mm-hmm. you know, make those selections in person, go over the obituary in person, you know, share tissues, you know, learn about these individuals' lives face to face. Now it's just as we are doing this podcast over the phone. Um, I will utilize our website to review merchandise, things of that nature. So we get through all that utilizing emails, faxes, you know, there's a lot of paperwork, of course, that is involved on this side of things. And sometimes that can be a little trying, just making sure that, you know, the 86 year old widow has somebody to hopefully explain what it is that they, you know, need to fill out for if their loved one's wishes were cremation, for example, Mm. you know, there's, um, there's, there's, uh, paperwork that needs to be filled out. And of course, getting back before cremation can even occur. It's those little things that, um, can be very, (laughs) very trying. Um, but again, um, I'm also thankful that the technology is there to where we can accommodate doing over the phone arrangements. So there's that aspect. And then now, you know, segue to if the family did want to, you know, have a viewing now it's up to the family to decide which 10 immediate family members are going to be in attendance. So they're limited to 10, just 10. Just 10 that, you know, before we were able to rotate in 10 and then, you know, so before we were able to kind of schedule, you know, a group of 10 and then we'd sterilize after they left and then invite the next group of 10. And now, because again, we need to protect ourselves, make sure that, you know, we're not ramping up our numbers as far as exposure goes. It is, it is just that keeping it at that 10 and then again, inviting guests to just view the service from their home via the live stream. And so it's tricky. I mean, we're so grateful that we can at least do that. You know, I know that st- I'm almost certain Washington state is strictly direct burial, direct cremation, no viewing whatsoever. Wow. And so, you know, knowing that there's other areas of the country who are completely confined to that, um, we're just grateful that we at least can continue to have some semblance of a funeral service. Hmm. This sounds so totally (laughs) changed, of course, but it sounds so sad. Uh, You know, we deal with families as their loved ones are dying. And we know when they are having their good days and their bad days, and we kind of help, hopefully help the family watch the uh, end of life uh, in a way that is positive and understanding and that there's, that this is the way it's going to be. And then they come to this time where they want to celebrate a life and they can't. Hmm. Yes. Yes. In, in the way that they want to and have had in the past. I mean, this new thing, this new normal that we're supposed to be living under uh, is, you know, there's some things that we, we really are going to have to learn to, uh, to, to get a grip on. And that's just it. It's, it's just learning this new normal for now. And I will keep stressing that for now. Um, you know, fortunately, a lot of the families that we've worked with are very understanding and do not push back and, um, you know, look forward to when we are able to at least do a memorial mass. So that's going to be interesting when the you know, I'll just choose the term curtain does lift in that, you know, circling back now with these families that we're serving in the current state 
and seeing how we can help to continue to celebrate that life. Even though we've moved forward with that final disposition, perhaps, it doesn't mean that we're, you know, folding our hands and saying goodbye. <laughs> right. um, right. You know, and so we're, we're just trying to, you know, we have a, even a, a spreadsheet going just to keep ourselves organized. So when that time does come, we can reach back out to these families just to check in and see, you know, if and what they need from us to move forward with what was originally envisioned um, for their loved one, what mom talked about all along, what dad talked about all along. Um, and, and so it's, that at least keeps me optimistic for the future um, in helping these families in the now. Is there any kind of emotional support uh, that you're offering the families? Um, you know, as far as ourselves, you know, we are kind of just so in the thick of it um, that, you know, of course we provide as much information as we can if the family is needing any, you know, pretend potential, you know, um, phone counseling as far as grief support. Um, and these are just resources that we just work with from time to time that we're now just passing their information on. And then of course us, the funeral home staff, you know, we try and be there for the family as much as we possibly can. Mm. I had a funeral scheduled back in March. And of course this came along and uh, the family called me and said, you know, They've got a good-sized family. They can only have 10 people out there. So, we're, you know, fortunately, the man was uh, cremated. And therefore, uh, we can do this at any time. And I'm just wondering, you know, that was a month ago. And I know how families, they, they just keep moving on and they keep working. They keep loving. But I also am well aware of the fact that there's, you know, funerals are good for closure. And we haven't been mm. able to do that yet. Yeah. Do you hear a lot of that at all, Jim? Um, somewhat. You know, it's it's almost interesting. Just I feel like a lot of these families that we're working with personally, again, have been so understanding in that they recognize that, yes, they need that closure, but they're so in the now of mm. protecting themselves, protecting their, you know, older relatives from mm -hmm. exposures that I feel like that is almost weighing out the fact that they can't have their service right now mm. and get that closure. And so it's almost a distraction Yeah, as far as just my, my own observation of what I've heard, you know, just how these families are talking and what their requests are. And so far, like I said, people seem to be comfortable with just, let's just get mom, you know, taken care of. And mm. then when this all lifts, we'll, you know, so I think that that hope that one day they will come together and they will celebrate that life, mm. you know, is what's keeping them going. It makes sense. So uh, how do you transport the bodies? Because uh, I'm sure that system has changed too with COVID-19. How do you transfer bodies of COVID-19? Yeah, um, you know, if it's a facility, um, meaning a hospice home, um, you know, we will bring along a uh, body bag and place that individual in there just for transport, as well as there's a steril sterilization that we'll, you know, do to, you know, the mouth and the nose, those, um, you know, orifices that potentially could create droplets, even though that individual has passed. 
Um, again, just trying to create as many barriers as we can between ourselves and that individual to protect ourselves. And then if there is any request to view, we do have to move forward with the embalming process. There, mm. there is just, you know, again, too much of a risk. You know, if the family says, no, that's, you know, not part of our tradition or not part of our belief, you know, we have to then tell them, you know, either they, they need to make the choice of, no, they can't see their loved one or we need to move forward with the embalming so that way they can at least have that tangible closure. Mm. You know, prior to this, it was, you know, obviously go and, you know, move the individual onto my my cot and, of course, you know, place the cot cover, cover over the individual, place them in the removal vehicle and bring them back to the funeral home. And, you know, of course, I would have my gloves on, maybe a mask, maybe not. Now it's, you know, full PPE, you know, mask, gloves, um, face shield, uh, foot cover, um, the gown, the list goes on. And, um, yeah, it's certainly uh, almost a little intimidating seeing somebody walk in to take your loved one into their care with all that on their person, um, as well as try and, you know, express sympathies. It's, it's, again, it's, um, it's just that it's it's trying and it's uh, a, a, a testimonial of patience. <laughs> now, do you do that for uh, home removals as well? Home removals, it you know ultimately comes down to if that individual had any exposure to COVID or not. If it's just you know going into a home that that person passed from cancer, let's say, and there was no, then we'll just wear our mask and our gloves just out of respect for the family to hopefully not expose them to ourselves who could be potential carriers. Now, luckily everybody here at TZAX has been healthy, knock on wood. And we, again, continue to make these, you know, practices, you know, mandatory. So that way we're protecting ourselves, protecting these families that we're serving, mm. especially mm -hmm. if we're entering their home. I could imagine if you were, uh, if I were a uh, resident in some of these facilities and I watched you come in, I'd like, I would think the world would be that would the world would be fall apart because you come in looking like that and you've seen it on you know in movies et cetera et cetera now you see it every day on TV um, it would not be a very pleasant sight I would think for facilities how do they deal with this with you um, you know it just really depends on the facility and a lot of the facilities are designed in such a way that we almost aren't seen. Um, Good. Okay. You know, we'll we'll be brought in a back way. Um, we'll be seen seen in a certain way and led a certain path that we won't pass residents' rooms, things of that nature. So it fortunately mm -hmm. hasn't been too concerning in regards to drawing up concern within individuals who are just, you know, in a nursing home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm against that system, but at least I think for now, maybe it works for now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm against yeah. hiding, hiding, you know, um, from the public. I think death has to be mainstream. But I think in this situation, maybe it makes sense. So do you guys have enough equipment? For right now, yes. Um, we do have um, some PPE on hold, but we are utilizing the practice of each of us have our little brown paper sack that we keep our, you know, N95 masks in and... <laughs> yeah. You know, we utilize sterilizing, you know, uh, techniques to make sure that, you know, if we did breathe into that and went into a facility that we're, you know, reusing that and hopefully not inhaling something that is, 
potentially hazardous for us. Um, so we're, we're also good on the equipment, but also stretching it out to make sure that we don't run out. Yeah. You know what? Has there been any increase in pre-booking? Because I heard somewhere that many people are planning <laughs> for their... Yeah, planning their funeral. Yes, yeah. that's what I heard, but sure. I don't know how accurate sure. is that. You know, um, I will say personally, I have not had an increase in prearranging funerals. Um, and I, I hate to say it, but, you know, before all this began, it was commonplace that individuals would just walk in unannounced, you know, hey, we, we're here to talk about pre Great, come on in, let's sit down, let's talk. I think that because of, you know, the shelter in place and um, those folks that especially need to take care of themselves, that age group, I think that's why we're not seeing that. That's why we're not hearing those phone calls being made. I'm hoping that these individuals are still having those conversations amongst themselves. So that way, you know, if and when the time does come to either prearrange or heaven forbid that individual does pass, at least the family is aware of what their wishes were. Mm. Makes yeah, sense. That's, not, that's not always easy. No, we know in our and, work. Yes, and we we try to we try to almost rip it out of them to find out which way they want to go because you know, especially even just finding a funeral home name, it's challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, there's that conversation, right? What we as a society right. choose to not pay attention to. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. We just. It's the, the, it goes all the way back to the idea of end of life education, and you know what? There's so much information out there, and of course, people don't uh, look into that information until they all of a sudden hear the word either hospice or you know your loved one is dying, and you know you've got cancer and they've got only a, you know a little bit of time or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and you you know we we're afraid to talk about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, again, I, I stress to just about every person that I come in contact with that will listen, that at least have that conversation, at least, exactly. you know, ask yourself, you know, first tell yourself, okay, this is going to happen to me someday, hopefully a long, long time from now, but someday the inevitable will happen as mm. the bad saying goes death and taxes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, uh, um, you know, so I, I am an advocate for that conversation, and that's something that I, especially in times like these, wish would be a little bit more on the forefront of just a normal, healthy conversation. Mm. Again, mm -hmm. uh, that awareness is so important, and you, you, you guys see it too in that there you have – families now looking at each other going, why didn't we ever talk about this? Exactly. We don't, we don't know what dad's wishes were. And now we feel guilty that we're making the wrong choice or whatever, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and then especially if families can, you know, prearrange and have that, those wishes on paper, because as you guys have seen, you know, where your mindset goes when that passing occurs, you know, you hear it all the time. I'm just in such a fog. I just can't exactly. think straight. Yeah. I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. And now you have to choose a casket. Now you have to choose flowers. I mean, I couldn't imagine. And, you know, so knowing that, you know, my, my mom has taken the time to make those choices. So that way I know that that's what she wanted makes me feel great. 
in moving forward with whatever those final wishes are. Yeah. That's my little plug. <laughs> oh no, that's good. That's, <laughs> and, and we and we're uh, you know we talk about this with or hopefully we we do as chaplains talk with our our families about what it is how they want their loved one to die. You know, are, are you you know do you realize that your loved one is going to make a choice if they want you to be there or not? Uh, no, what are you talking about? And I say. Yeah, sometimes families come and they just want to do this vigil and all of a sudden maybe you go to the bathroom and your loved one dies because they didn't want you to be around. Mm, that's oh, right. I never thought of that. I never thought of that. I said, well, these are things that in our society, you know, it isn't until it becomes this time that we talk about it. And then it's, you know, especially if you got the, the, the patient who has Alzheimer's and, you know, they've been taking care of them for so long and then, you know, they're in a nursing home and they're dying and you say, what do you, how do you think, you know, your loved one wants to do the funeral? And they say, we never talked about it. You know, oh. And it's, it's too late. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. So you better, get on, you better get, on, get on the ball there, there Jim. You know, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jim, one one more question. <laughs> you guys spoke about doing live streaming, you know, but uh, sometimes uh, funeral rituals are private. How do you maintain that even if it's out there on social media, it's still private? Um, well, that's what's nice, at least with the um, company that we're utilizing is um, essentially it's up to the family if okay. they want that you know, streaming funeral service to be available to anybody or if they just want to pick and choose. So if it is open to the public, what we'll do is just simply place that link on their loved one's obituary page through our website. And it's mm. just as easy as a click of a button because we know mm. just how sometimes technology can be uh, a bit frustrating, especially for those that don't work with it all the time. You know, so that's that's been nice to have that streamlined and convenient. Um, but if the family does want it private, we just simply email that link to that family, so that way they can then send it on to those they want to attend. And then after the broadcast is finished, then that concludes that live streaming service. It's not available to view, you know, online anywhere. And that way, they have that peace of mind that their loved one's deceased body isn't all over the internet now. Uh, thank you, Joe. Do you have any other questions? Oh, I'm, I've got a whole bundle of them in my mind, and I'm, I just can't get not organized just yet. Uh, <laughs> I guess this is just a silly question. Is business booming? You know, I will say that our numbers are higher than they were this time last year, and I feel like that's kind of the consensus with our counterparts in the area as well. So I hate to say that, yes, we, we have seen um, a significant uptick in our call volume. And obviously we can only equate it to what's going on. Um, we, yeah. you know, we're kind of uh, at a calm before the storm period in March there, you know, when we started hearing and seeing things ramping up and actual concerns being, being had. Um, but then it just became kind of this curious waiting game. And then I'd say, maybe the last three weeks is when we really have seen um, the, the phone ringing, mm. unfortunately, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, I say it all the time. It's, you know, bad to be a funeral director and say, I'm very busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, under these circumstances, you know, you're, you could be very busy. Yes. Yeah. And we're anticipating it obviously to continue, um, 
you know, for, you know, obviously we, we don't have that timeline and, um, I just, I just, you know, keep hoping and praying and just wishing that everybody can just find that patience. So that way we, the collective human race, (laughs) I'll put it that far Mm -hmm. out there, um, Mm -hmm. we'll get back to some sense of normalcy and it is, you know, one last time together as a team, because that's what it's going to take. Absolutely thank right. you. Thank you very much, Jim. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. And <laughs> oh, thank um, you, Jim. you guys stay safe, stay healthy, and um, hopefully we'll just run into each other at the supermarket down the road. <laughs> or for sure. Maybe we're asked maybe we're asked to do a funeral there. Who never knows? Yes. There you go. There you go. Anything um, is possible. Gentlemen, thank you so much and take care. Thank you, Jim. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was Jim. He's a funeral director at Tezak Funeral Home in Joliet, Illinois. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded at Audio Hive Podcasting in Joliet, Illinois. Audio Hive Podcasting is a studio dedicated to podcast recording, editing, and production. For more information, you can find us at audiohivepodcasting.com.